Hello and welcome to the Bitten Word Podcast. I'm Christine. And I'm Ashley. And today we have a bonus episode for you, which is like I think our first in a while. I think we, it's been like a while since we had a yeah. bonus episode. Um, but we're coming at you with um, our second annual, <laughs> um, <laughs> our second semi-annual books, book uh recommendations there we go so this is our favorite books of the first half of 2022 that's very specific but well it is but the thing (laughs) is that i mean how many books have you read so far oh i don't know i mean like 30 if you're including like captain underpants and stuff yeah and i've read 27 so i feel like that's okay because we're narrowing it down to five books you know that's it's not like we read five books and we're telling you about those five books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. These are these are the books that we have read so far this year that we really loved and that we feel like other people would enjoy. Yes. And so I think the I think the trajectory that Ashley takes is books that garnered five stars, five out of five stars. Yeah. I did have more five star books than this, like three or four more, but I'm not counting rereads in this. And I also just, I I didn't rank them like in an order, like we'll do later in the year. Um, I just ranked, I just put them chronologically when I read them, but these are the best five of my five-star books. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I did not take that approach only because I didn't feel like I had a lot of five-star books this year. And so um i was having a harder time coming up with my five but i ultimately narrowed it down to the ones that i enjoyed the most out of like the fours and fives yeah okay so uh we're going to alternate uh our lists and then we're gonna give you a peek into what we're looking forward to reading so i'm gonna start um mine also do not go in any order Um, And my first one is actually kind of a classic. My first one is Dracula by Bram Stoker. Just OG classic Dracula. I have not finished it, but I'm close to finishing it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm very much enjoying it. Um, I, so I've talked about this before. I'm reading through the Barnes and Noble classics. Dracula is on that list. Um, And so I've, I've wanted to read it for a long time and I have begun to read it a few times um but this time i'm you know really plowing through just to get it off my list um but it's a good book i mean considering like when it was written i think that he does a really good job crafting a really good like gothic horror story and it's not horror in the sense of like scary like you know like really scary things are happening all the time and i mean it's a dracula which by this point most of us know generally the story of dracula right and so it's not like anything that happens is especially surprising but i can see how reading it without knowing anything about the story would be like a really cool experience yeah um, cause he does a good job of actually writing like some like scary passages and like building tension and like, mm-hmm. like, especially the first part where you see Jonathan Harker going to Dracula's castle and then you have like all of these people in the surrounding areas being like, please don't go, please, you cannot go there. And they're like giving him crucifixes and giving him like wards for evil eyes and like all these things. And he's like, what is going on? You guys, you guys are just like you know you guys are just freaking out but they're like begging him and like he rides in a carriage with some people and they're all like getting really nervous and they're like no please don't stop in the middle of the in the middle of the night we cannot stop you know and they're freaking out and it's like it's scary i think mostly because i don't think you get a really good indication of like what dracula is or why he's so scary until a lot later in the book and so you see things like him crawling up a wall you see things like you know all the weird like vampire women living in his castle but like you never see him like drinking blood and killing people and stuff until way later in the book and you spend a lot of time like with all these scary events happening not even knowing how dracula is involved in them and so Mm -hmm. it's like it's really cool it's it's well done well written um and i'm enjoying like there are a lot of books on this list that I do enjoy 
and there are a lot of books on this book on this list that are just like straight up horrible um <laughs> and this is you know and then there's some in between this is definitely one that i i really really enjoyed off of the list have you um, seen the movie like the keanu reeves gary oldman movie that was made a long no, time ago 20 years ago okay so i've seen that and i was wondering if it's similar to that but when you said like you see him crawling up a wall and the weird vampire women living with him and stuff and i was like okay maybe it is a little bit true to the book because those things are definitely included um yeah so i've i'm interested i was thinking that i've i'm interested to watch a movie that is like faithful to the book because there have been a lot of like iterations of this movie and I think a lot of them take a lot of liberties and just kind of do whatever they want with it. And I was thinking, and honestly, the two Dracula movies that I am most acquainted with is Dracula Dead and Loving It and Love It First Bite. Love It First Bite, yeah. Yes, so like not faithful <laughs> to the book at all. <laughs> so um so yeah, I I have wanted to watch one, but then I'm like, what Dracula movies are there? And I'm thinking like Bella Lugosa Dracula and then like Lugosi and then like Dracula 2000. And I'm like, I know it's not those. So maybe I'll have no. to try that one. And it's literally called Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. So, but I mean, it does have Keanu Reeves. So warning there because guys, I know Keanu Reeves is a whole like cultural thing right now, but I really just cannot stand him as an actor. <laughs> like the worst actor ever um i think christina ricci is in it as well and she's got super blonde hair and it's weird okay um but i can't i can't remember who else is in there but gary oldman is superb as always um i haven't watched it in a really long time but hmm. there's that i'll have to give that a go so the first book that I have for you, I don't even really need to talk about all that much because it was the subject matter of our last podcast episode that just came out on Friday, and it is Scythe by Neil Shusterman. So in the episode, we talk a lot about why we both enjoyed this book, um, and I will just say here that I definitely think it's worth a read. We had one listener. Hi, Bernie. She liked hey, the Bernie. episode <laughs> She liked it so much that she went and bought the book. So if that doesn't entice you to go listen to that episode, then I don't know what will. That was very exciting. I was I was really excited to see that. Yeah. Uh, so it is a YA novel, but I feel like it goes into enough um, deep, deeper themes and it's not overly beautiful boy and love story and stuff to make it kind of weird it's not your typical like it's not it's not a dystopian setting it's actually kind of almost like a utopian setting just yeah. with like one problem that needs to be fixed possibly and i found it extremely creative it surprised me which doesn't always happen with books anymore um, and, and so I really appreciated that about it. So if you want to hear more about the plot and more about what we thought of it, um, and you want to know about some pot roast that we made for it, then go listen to that episode on Scythe. Um, okay. So next on my list is the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady yeah. Hendricks. I did want to hear more about this. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I think it was one of those books where when I was at Barnes and Noble, I walked by it, saw the cover and was like, I'm buying that. <laughs> like, because yeah. <laughs> like, I just do that, you know, sometimes where you just see it and you're like, this one is coming with me um, without knowing anything about it. And so, and he's written, he has written at least one other book um, that looked interesting to me. And I think it's the Final Girls Support Group or something like yeah. that. Um, and so I've wanted to look into that one also. Um, after having read this book, though, I'm, I'm a lot more interested to read it. So this book is about a group of Southern middle-aged women um, who start a book club and I think, or who, who are invited to a book club. And it's like a very hoity-toity, you know, book club that's like, you know, run by this woman who's like, everything has to be perfect and everyone has to take turns presenting the book. And if you didn't read it, it's like a whole thing. And so a couple of the women who kind of have an issue with this start their own offshoot book club where they read true crime. 
And so then they get like really into like murderers and serial killers and cults and like all these things. And it's like, like to the point where they're like, almost like getting a little morbid with it. Um, but then one of the ladies starts experiencing these weird things happening and she becomes convinced that the guy living across the street is a vampire. And, um, and then she tries to convince her book club to, you know, help her take him down. And so something I really, really enjoyed about this book was that was the characters was the fact that they were all like middle-aged women because i don't feel like that's a demographic that is very well represented in yeah. like horror and it was it i felt like just gave it kind of a fun i don't know twist or just made it different and separated yeah. it from like other horror and i don't particularly enjoy reading horror but i feel like this one is done well um because i don't think it relies too much on like the actual horror scenes um i will say though for people who who are squeamish um that there are some scenes that are like especially graphic in the violence sector and there's a little bit of sex um but like there's at least one scene where some people get like eaten alive by rats and so yeah. So it is kind of a gruesome book, but it was, I very much enjoyed it, much more than I expected to. Um, and I read it pretty quickly. And that's funny that you're like, I don't really like reading horror, but the first two books that you've mentioned here. Yeah. Horror book. Yeah. Well, I was, I, you know, I don't enjoy reading horror because there are times that I have picked up like traditional horror books like Stephen King or like other yeah. authors who are really well known for that stuff and I never like them like they're not yeah. scary to me they're just like gratuitous violence and gratuitous sex and it's like it's just it's not enticing to me and I don't even honestly I don't even love horror movies that much yeah, for that same reason yeah, and like there are some movies that I like because they're creepy or like they're funzy, spooky, like Stranger Things kind of vibes. But the, thrill, the thriller genre kind of yeah. thing. You know? Yeah, and I do like the supernatural, you know. Yeah. It's just that I feel like mm -hmm. most of them rely too much on gore and violence and slasher stuff, and I'm just not into that. Um, mm -hmm. But I was going to say, I remember was it last year when I was doing recommendations we were laughing because a lot of mine were like really depressing and like yep. <laughs> yeah well I'm just just telling you now spoiler alert it's gonna be the same so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny um that's just that's just kind of where you live in your reading life and that's fine that's, it really is honestly I think that's a cool thing about reading um is that everybody just has such a different opinions about it I, I had a guy say to me one time that he doesn't read nonfiction pretty much at all because why would you read a made-up story when there are so many cool real things that happen? You know, and that was just his... Yeah. Just well, while I do enjoy fiction, you know, not as much, but while I do enjoy fiction, I can agree with that sentiment because there is a lot of really bizarre stuff. Yeah. Well, there is. And I enjoy reading nonfiction, but I prefer the fiction for whatever yep. reason. I don't know if it's the language that they write in or if it's because they can go to places that they're imagining that are yeah. like in size, you know, that's totally different um, from what we experience now. It's just, I don't know, really interesting to me. So I, th I think that's pretty cool that everybody has such different tastes for their reading. See, and that's something I firmly believe when people say that they don't like reading. Yeah. I am a firm believer that everybody likes to read if they can find their genre. Yes. And you might have a very narrow genre yeah. you know, of stuff that you like. Maybe it's very specific and that's why it's really hard for you to find. And then some people will read anything and love it. You know, they, yeah. they prefer all kinds of genres. And although I, I do find myself enjoying books from a lot of different genres when I'm choosing books for myself, I do tend to stay more in the mystery, thriller, and um, fantasy science fiction 
places, you know, if they're mixed together, that's even better for me. And then nonfiction things that are not, I wouldn't categorize them as self-help, but things like parenting books and like um, the one that I'm going to talk about with uh, what I'm planning on reading, um, you know, stuff like that. That's, I guess, trying to help me be a better person or interesting things, but not I, I don't know if I would categorize it as self-help. I'm yeah. not sure where I know what you mean because I know a lot of what you read, but I can't I can't articulate it either. Honestly, I can't articulate some of my genres either, but I know what they are, you know, when I see the books. But I'm the same way. I will read stuff from uh, like a lot of different categories and I'll and some of that's because of book club and some of that stuff I pick myself. Yeah. Um, but I do like the majority of my reading and books that I pick tend to be in these certain categories. Okay. My second book, and I, I don't know if I actually did, but I really meant to recommend this to you, um, is If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio. And I listened to this one. Um, and I'm glad I did because it took me a minute to get used to the narrator's voice, particularly when he was voicing other characters. But once I did, I think it really made a big difference in the way that I imagined the book than if I had just been doing it like in my own voice. Um, so this book is about a group of college students who are in an extremely rigorous theater program at a really small, really select school. And this theater familiar. Okay, true. Um, <laughs> but so this is the kind of place where, and this actually happened at the school that I went to too, but only once during the time that we were there. It was like after sophomore year, they'd made cuts. Um, so it wasn't cuts like where you got thrown out of the school, but it was cuts where you would you would perform and they would look at your performances in the theater and stuff from the last two years. And then they would decide which students were able to continue in the more rigorous BFA program and which students would have to go into the less rigorous BA program. Um, and so that was like, you know, it's very stressful. In this book, the way that sign makes a big it, difference. <laughs> Well, I know, right? But <laughs> it did at the time when you're yeah. 18, you're like there and you're like, oh my gosh, what if I don't get it? You know, <laughs> like it matters. Um, anyway, so, but in this program, there's cuts at the end of every year and they don't just throw you out of the program. They throw you out of the school. Like, like yeah, because they just don't have a place for you anymore. So you're going to have to go do something else, right? And also, this theater program is exclusively Shakespeare. Um, and Well, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and so these students are in their senior year. They've all made it past the cuts, and they are an extremely tight-knit group. They all live in the same house. They all live, um, you know, basically on top of each other. Some of them are, you know, better friends than others. There are some hurt. Some of them are dating, you know, just all of these things. And then one of them starts really kind of turning into a jerk and he does some really awful and even kind of abusive things, not to the point where you shouldn't read the book because it's, it's small enough that it's not, I don't feel like it's triggering necessarily. Um, but then this guy turns up dead. And so the rest of the book is them trying to kind of figure out what happened and suspecting each other and dealing with the police, but kind of trying to stay tight knit at the same time. And I've got to tell you, the thing that makes this story are the Shakespeare scenes. Like they, they have a tradition where the seniors do um, scenes from Macbeth on Halloween, like out in the woods with the whole school they're watching. But one of the things is they are given their parts secretly. No, but none, none of the other actors even know which parts they're playing. And they're just told, know your lines, you'll get your costume the day of, you know, meet your people here. And then they have to kind of like improv the Shakespeare as it goes. And it's just so like, that scene is so terrifying and entrancing the way he writes it and the fact that 
the, the um, main character doesn't even like know exactly what's going on and the nuances of relationship that are seen between these people as they're acting. And it's, it's just really fascinating. Hmm. Um, and I know I'm not explaining it as well as I want to, but trust me, the mystery is good. The story is good. The relationships and the characters are excellent. And the Shakespeare is like a character throughout the whole book. And it's, it's just, it's a fascinating book. I thought it was so good. That does sound interesting. Um, is it one of those better than it sounds books? Uh, yes, I would say go read the blurb about it because it'll probably do it justice better than I am. Um, the audiobook is what's really worth it. I, I really enjoyed the audiobook. Yes, it did take me a little bit to get used to his voices, but I think it was well worth it. I read a book a long time ago that I think I just like found somewhere or somebody gave me or something called Interred with Their Bones. I don't that. remember. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the um, author, but it was basically like the Da Vinci Code, but with Shakespeare. And it kind of reminds mm. me of that. And I remember it being interesting at the time. So my next book is All That Remains by Sue Black. Um, this is another one of my morbid suggestions. Um, and so this book, which is so funny because I'm going to give you all these like morbid horror suggestions. And then my number five is going to be like the complete opposite. Um, so All That Remains is so. OK, well, let me explain it like this. Sue Black is a forensic anthropologist from Scotland. And all that remains is her kind of like philosophical treatise slash memoir about like her work. And so she talks about her job as a forensic anthropologist. Um, and part of what that entails is she works for a college and she helps run like their anatomist program so i guess like their cadaver lab and stuff like that where people are any you know any of their many majors and things that requires people to be doing dissections and stuff of cadavers mm -hmm. so she handles that and she handles like you know to some degree body donations and stuff like that but then she also will help police in local investigations as well as like military police in like foreign arenas of war mm -hmm. usually to identify bodies that are found um and it's very I, I will say very gruesome very morbid and so unless you have a strong stomach for that kind of stuff don't read it but it was extremely interesting um like she talked about like the identification process as well as like what it means to her and to people when their loved ones are identified mm -hmm. and like why it's important um and that's kind of the second half of the book i felt like the first half of the book was more like her own personal feelings on like death and dying um which was not uninteresting but it's not why i picked up the book and so this book didn't get five stars for me because of that because the first half i was kind of like i don't really care what you think about you know about that i'm not interested about what happened when your grandma died i'm more interested about what your job is but that half of the book was incredibly interesting and so that book got four stars for me but i did very much enjoy it um and like i said while i highly recommended don't pick it up unless like you really can handle that stuff that sounds like a very you book. It was highly interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> okay. My third book is The Devil in the Dark Water by Stuart Turton. So I, last year, if you remember from six months ago, my number one book of 2021 was The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. Um, and so I was really interested to read this book. And something i read uh, that stuart turton i think he put it on twitter was that he wants every single one of his books to be entirely different from any book he's ever written previously um which i think is really interesting like he wants it to be in a different time period he wants the characters to be different he wants the setting you know all of the things to be different which i think is kind of different like that's not normal for an author, I feel like. That reminds me of when Johnny Depp said he never plays the same character twice and then proceeded to spend like 10 years playing Jack Sparrow in different roles. 
Um, yeah, but this one really is. It's very different. So if you have read Seven and a Half Deaths, um, it is, this is a departure. It's still kind of in the mystery and weird stuff happening vein. Oh, but I didn't, I didn't even connect it that that was the same guy. That oh, yeah. Really that went right over my head. Yeah. Um, okay. So the premise of this book is that there is a voyage. It's in like, um, somewhere between 14 and 1600s in, um, some colony in like, a Africa-esque or islandy kind of nation. They didn't spend a whole lot of time there. So I didn't, I don't remember exactly, um, where it was, but somewhere really hot somewhere, you know, where Europe has colonized during that time. And, there is a Sherlock Holmesian kind of detective and his bodyguard. Um, and the detective guy has been arrested by the main governor person of this place. And so the governor person is taking his family and this detective back to Amsterdam um, to have a trial. So this book mostly takes place on the boat. So it's kind of like it was described as a closed door mystery because they're on a boat, right? There's a very finite amount of space. Um, and people are scared of this demon whose signal, like their sign, appears on the sail of the boat when the boat is leaving. And so everybody on board is scared of this demon and things just descend into chaos from there. They experience three dark miracles on the boat, really terrifying things. And then once the miracles are done, it's said that this demon will start whispering to everybody on board to give them the thing they most desire in return for them doing a dark deed. And so there are some people who are trying to fight this demon and trying to say, don't listen when it comes. And then there are some people who listen to it. And then these murders start happening, but nobody knows how they're done. Um, and so it's really kind of a fun book because there's a lot of stuff going on. There are a lot of elements that feel supernatural. Um, and the mysteries are very well crafted and he does give satisfying answers for everything at the end and also surprising ones some of the time too. So I think it's definitely worth a read. Okay. <clears throat> so my last, I promise this is the last depressing book. My last <laughs> depressing book um is when breath becomes air by paul colonithi okay but that one has gotten a lot of acclaim i have heard a lot about yes. that one in fact i think i gave it to brett as a gift like for christmas eve or something like that and he read it and then immediately gave it away to somebody and i was like wait i didn't read it <laughs> like, oh you wanted to read it it's like yes i wanted to read it all right well the acclaim doesn't make it any less depressing so. <laughs> um i had a, a i heard of it from a friend who said she wanted to read it um but hadn't read it yet and she just said that she heard it was really good but heard that it was really hard to read and it's just funny because i feel like when people say that it's like a personal challenge and i'm like oh that sounds like a book i'd read, <laughs> so yeah, read true. um and so I picked it up because there was a, a while where I thought about it and I was like, I'm not in the mood to read that. And then one day I was like, I'm in the mood for something depressing. And so I picked it up, read most of it and was like, that wasn't even depressing. And then I read the last chapter and I was like, okay, I'm going to go kill myself now. Um, <laughs> but, um, so basically it's a memoir written by, um, or sort of a memoir, I'm not really sure how you would classify this, written by Paul Colonithi, um, about his life um, as a doctor and then his life as a patient. And so the first half of the book is all about him and his wife and how they're both in med school 
and it's just like a lot of work and he talks about kind of like the dynamic with his patients and just what you know how hard it is to be in med school and what it's all like and then he gets a cancer diagnosis and it's terminal um and so then his life switches into you know him as a patient doctor's visits you know them you know trying to decide if we know that you're about to die do we really want to have a, any kids and then they decide you know they do want to have a baby and so it's just like you know all of this you know just kind of all of his thoughts and feelings on dying and mm-hmm. how his life has changed and then the last chapter is written by his wife after he has died and she talks about like the active death process what happened when he was at a point where he could no longer write he was actively dying you know what happened when he died and after his death and that was incredibly sad um and especially because like i don't know she talks about like their daughter and like the last thing that he writes in the book is like you know, just like a simple message to her because she's only like a year old when he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is, I feel like it's a good read because it's a good book to kind of make you think about like your life and priorities, you know, like books on death always do. But then also just kind of like, I guess the beauty that can be found in the mundane and how like, mm-hmm. You know, when people start dying, it's like suddenly they want to do all the things they never got to do, you know, but I think, you know, I-, I feel like his approach is a little more like not the things I never got to do, but like the things that I have that I didn't appreciate enough, yeah. Um, you know, which, which I like and which I appreciate. And so it's, it is sad to read. And the thing is like, like I'm sure for a lot of people, just the parts where he is diagnosed with cancer and then like the treating, like treating the cancer is like, would be depressing enough to read. That stuff was just like, didn't bother me at all. The last mm-hmm. chapter was especially sad just cause it was a lot of raw emotion, I think, I think, but, yeah. but it's, it's also very short. Um, so if that, if that's enticing for you, but it was good. I went to a favorite things party one time where a girl came with a stack of that book and gave it because she loved it so much. So I I have, I've heard a lot of really good things about that book. I, I too sit there and I'm like, can I read this depressing book? I don't know if I'm in the mood for that, which is why I have never read educated because. Oh my gosh. It's so good though. No, every time I like think about it though, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to read that. That's not depressing in the same way. And actually that one like has a good ending, Yeah, you know, so it's, it doesn't end on a totally depressing note. Someday we're going to have to do a bonus episode about lifetime recommendations. Books we read 10,000 years ago that we still think about. All-time favorites. That's Educated is on that list for me. Okay, so your books are all depressing and deal with death. And guess what? Mine do too, except that they're all just fiction. Except they're all fun. (laughs) Fun death. I know, right? (laughs) depressing death. death. (laughs) (laughs) Not psyche-scarring death. Um, Okay, so I mean you know, YA book where children are being apprenticed to a killer so that they can kill people. Um, Murder mystery, more murder mystery. And now this one I'm going to give you also deals with death and stuff. Um, um, So this next book that I have for you is called A History of Wild Places by Shay Earnshaw. And this one is also a mystery. Um, I was not expecting to like this book as much as I did. I think part of it was the writing style. Um, I really enjoyed it. It it kind of it kind of moves at a slower pace at first, and it takes you a little while to kind of get your bearings and figure out kind of what's going on and stuff. But they once again, like in Dracula, they do a really good job of kind of building up suspense and saying something's wrong but you're not quite sure what it is and giving you pieces in very small amounts to figure out what's going on at the end and I was surprised at the end I felt like it was pretty original 
Um, and very interesting, not something that you would expect to be the answer to this mystery. So the premise of this book is that there's a girl that goes missing and her parents have looked for her. The police have looked for her, but the police have stopped. It's several years after the fact. And her parents hire this man who has the ability to like see the past when he touches objects or when he's in the place where it happened. Um, so like, you know, he'll touch a necklace and he'll see things that happened to the person who owns the necklace. Right. And so he has started using that ability to try to find people um, who have gone missing because he was too slow to save his own sister when she died um, several years ago. So he's trying to kind of like redeem himself by finding other people. So he's hired and he goes into the woods where she disappeared. And then she, or I'm sorry. And then he also disappears. So then you see inside this community that's kind of cut off from the outside world. They have not gone beyond the borders of their community for many years. They're, they feel like there's this disease out there that they're going to get um, if they leave and that it's passed along by the trees that are outside their community. So even if they step foot outside, they'll, you know, get this sickness and die. But one of the people in the community um, is a gate guard. And so he has over the past like six months started going over the border without telling anybody every night when he's on duty and he's gone further and further. And by the time we see him, he finds a truck that's abandoned and it turns out to belong to the man that disappeared looking for this woman who had disappeared. And so it kind of puts in motion these um, this mystery for him where he's trying to figure out what happened to him. And then he finds out that she's missing. And so he's trying to find out what happened to her as well, but they're kind of keeping secrets and some weird things are happening within their community. And now he's not sure if their community is like a really good place or not. And if there's shady things happening. Um, and, and then, so the rest of the book, you are trying to solve the mystery of what happened to these two people, as well as trying to figure out what's going on in this community. And it's, it was really, really fascinating, super interesting, great characters, really good buildup. Um, and like I said before, a surprising ending. Reminds me a little of the village. That's exactly what I thought too. Um, spoilers. The... <laughs> <laughs> So in the movie, The Village, it kind of is a similar situation where there's like this secluded group of people, but they have like a monster living in the woods. Um, but it turns out at the end that they actually live in some sort of like national park wooded area and or something like that. And they just are allowed to live there. But the parents have been lying to them this whole time, telling them that there's nothing else out there. And the elders um, are like being the monsters. Yeah. So... Sorry if that spoiled that movie for you. It's a really good movie, nonetheless. You should go watch it. it um, but but yeah, so it did remind me of that too. But the ending is is different than that. It is it is really interesting. Okay, so my last book we're taking a departure um, is *The Secret Garden* by Frances Hodgson Burnett. Um, <laughs> if you are like me and never read this book as a kid, go read it. It's I just. I enjoyed it because it was just cute. You know, it's yeah. a very like uplifting, feel good book. If you ever just need escapist literature, that's just nice. This is a good book for that. I've read a few books like that this year um, that have either that I had and just needed to finish or that were on like that, that classics list. This is one that was on the classics list. Um, but like Heidi was like that. Um, and the little princess was like that. And so like, I feel like it just falls into that class of like children's literature. That's just happy and feel good. And it's just, it's not very long. And so you can just kind of read it quickly and it's just 
makes you feel good. But I liked it because, I mean, it is nice to have a break sometimes, you know, from all the death and decay <laughs> to have, you know, just something simple and, and nice. Yeah. Um, that one could be good podcast fodder as well. Like their little picnic. That we they have eat. it on our list. I know it's on there because I read it with my kids a couple of years ago. Um, and so I think I had put it on the list, but um, there is a lot of food in that book. Honestly, that like there when they describe it, I'm like, why don't I have like servants to make me amazing know, right? breakfasts like this? <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and that's really funny that you're like, okay, here's a departure because guess what? Number five for me is also a departure. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. So your departure was like, it's fiction and it's happy. And mine's like, it's nonfiction and it's not entirely happy. <laughs> um, so my number five book is The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. And this one, um, I feel like is still kind of getting a lot of buzz. I feel like I see it a lot of places. And I was a little hesitant to pick this book up because the only other John Green book that I've read, despite the fact that I like him and his brother, like the, you know, YouTube things that they do and stuff. Um, I read The Fault in Our Stars and I was not really a fan. Um, I read it several years ago, though, and I'm wondering if maybe if I picked it up again, I might enjoy it more, but you maybe would. not. No, you know. So, no, we, so if you guys want more information about them, we talked about this a lot in our episode about um, um, A Foolishly Beautiful Endeavor by Hank Green, his brother. Um, and we talked about John Green a little bit, and this is his one like his first, I think, nonfiction book. It is. And his fiction is just not great. I mean, it's it's kid lit. It's like at least YA, you know. It's, um, it's YA. It oh, is. Yeah. yeah, so he writes YA, and it's just kind of like substanceless fluff like love stories and stuff with like angsty teens and so i mean if you're into that that's fine but like i don't i don't think you would enjoy it specifically yeah. he also writes usually there's something really depressing going on like in the fault in our stars there's a kid who has cancer um right and then i know the one that he the turtles all the way down is a kid who has ocd which john green also has um, so that one might be more interesting because it's a real perspective on it because he actually knows what it's like to have OCD. So I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I haven't read that one, but I read a few of his other books and they I felt like they all kind of followed a formula. Yeah, okay. Um, this is not like that though. This, guys, I have never once in my life done that thing that sometimes people talk about where I finished a book and then immediately started it over. I was always like, why would you ever do that? But I did that with this book. I listened to it. Um, and I listened to it because Anne Bogle from modern Mrs. Darcy suggested that because he has a little bit of like extra stuff in there, I guess, um, because it is read by John Green. And I, I just loved it so much that the very next day after I finished it, my husband and I were driving 10 hours to San Francisco and we started it over together um, and then finished it during the week that we were on vacation. Um, so I read it twice in a row, listened to it twice in a row, and I loved it immediately after the same amount. So the premise of this is that he is... It's a collection of essays, which is also a real departure for me. I usually stray away from essays and short stories. Yeah. Um, and so he will take a subject like, for example, Canada geese or diet Dr. Pepper. Um, and sometimes it's things that are very random. And sometimes it's things that are a little bit more um, like obvious for our time, I guess. He talks a lot about COVID because he wrote it. He started writing it, I feel like in 2020, right when COVID started. And he was writing through like the beginning half of 2021. 
Um, but at the, so at the end of each of these essays, he will take the topic and give it a one to five star rating. Um, and he talks about why he thinks that's an interesting thing to do and about the rating system in general and stuff like that in the very beginning of the book. But I, I don't know how to explain why I liked this book so much. It talks about a lot of things that feel depressing. It talks a lot about how crappy humans are, you know, and things that happen to humans. But at the same time, how incredibly amazing people are. And it was just, it was sad, but also incredibly hopeful. Um, it was kind of like a bittersweet book. I cried a couple of times in the essays, not because it was sad, but because it was so hopeful, um, because it was had so much good emotion. Um, it's, I, I don't even know, I don't, I don't know how to explain it to you other than that, just that he has an incredible, unique ability to find meaning in things that I would never ascribe meaning to, to connect his, like experiences that he has had to feel deeply and think deeply about them and then connect them to bigger picture things that are going on in the world um, in a way that felt very poignant to me. Um, so I, I really, really loved it. I would not be surprised if it ended up being my favorite book of the year. Um, and I would not be surprised if it ended up on one of those all-time favorites lists for me eventually. That's interesting. I'm gonna have to move that up my list. I got it from the library on audio because it was, was it because it was available or it had a shorter wait list than like the three other audiobooks I was uh, looking for. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll give it a try. And Bogle said it was good. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad that I did. Okay. So we're both going to give you an honorable mention. Um, mine comes in the form of the fellowship of the ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. The reason this one gets honorable mention is because I feel like a lot of people have already read it. And even if they haven't read it, they've seen the movies and know generally the plot. Mm -hmm. I added it though, because I listened to this earlier this year and there are a couple of like really famous audiobooks for like Lord of the Rings. I mean, this is one of those ones like uh, Andy Serkis is doing one now. Like, oh, is he? Yeah. That might be good. <clears throat> and so like, there are some, you know, that are like done with like really powerhouse, like, narrators yeah. um the one that i listened to though this this honorable mention is specific to this audiobook which is why it's an honorable mention um i don't think this was a monetized official audiobook i think this is a fan-made audiobook hmm. and it's incredible so the narrator is a guy named phil dragish d-r-a-g-a-s-h um and you can just find his audiobook like online like i found it on youtube um but you can find it like on spotify i think in like some other places um but what makes it so amazing is that his like first of all he just has a really pleasing voice but his his voices that he does for the characters a lot of times are like really similar to what they are in the movies and so like you would think that like people like Gandalf and like you know Sam were like being voiced by like their live actor counterparts interesting and, yeah and he also includes atmospheric sound effects like fires crackling and wind blowing and whispering and he adds um soundtrack music by Howard Shore from the movies and so Whoa. it's just like I was listening to it while I was painting my kids rooms and it was just like so atmospheric and like so I don't know like I just got really lost in it and so it's like I feel like it's one that you have normally I listen to audiobooks on like 
1.6 speed. This is one that you have to like listen to on normal speed to really appreciate. And yeah. I feel like you have to be doing a really mindless task so that you can like really get lost in it like I did because that's when it was like, it was really good. Weirdly enough, mindless task. I know this is not supposed to be a mindless task, but my favorite time to listen to audiobooks and podcasts is when I'm driving because driving is like just enough brain power to keep me focused like on the audiobook and not let my mind wander a lot you know usually my audiobook time is laundry yeah yeah I do that too um okay I also have an honorable mention um and it's where the drowned girls go by Seanan McGuire. And the reason why I'm giving this honorable mention rather than putting it on the list is because it's like the sixth or seventh in a series. Um, the series, I may have even mentioned it on here before. I maybe even the last um, first half of the year books podcast, but it's the wayward children series. And it starts with the book, every heart, a doorway. And they, so these books are interesting because they're really short. They're like novella length, like a hundred pages each, which is really annoying because she still only comes out with one a year. And I'm always like, but I want more. Um, and they don't have to necessarily be read in order because they don't have a plot line that is consecutive and goes from book to book. I would still suggest reading them in the publication order though, because I feel like that's the best way to do it. And I started this series when there were only like two books in it. Um, so every January I am like, good new wayward children book. So I, and I probably did talk about this, but I'll talk about it again um, for people who didn't hear it on the other podcast. This series is about children who find doorways to other worlds a la Alice in Wonderland, uh, Narnia, you know, things like that. And those books are actually mentioned in here. And they, they believe that these are real stories that actually happened to kids. And then they came back and wrote it down as like a fantasy book, right? But the world building in these books is absolutely incredible. So the kids that we see um, in these books have been kicked out of the worlds that they found for various reasons and are now back on like in our world and are trying to like figure out how to be people here while still hoping that a door opens again to this world. But the worlds that she creates are so different from each other. Uh, for example, one of the worlds in the very first book is a world that's like almost all black and white and gray and the whole point of it is to be still like I'm not talking about just slow moving or something but literally like the girl who wants to go back there her job when she was there was to be like a living statue for the king so she would go and stand on a pedestal and she would just freeze and she would be able to subsist on like a pomegranate seed every every day or every week or something like that because she was so still that her body didn't need anything else and it's just like how did she come up with that that doesn't sound like a world anybody would want to go to but that was the place that she felt like herself and she felt at home um and all of the worlds are just so different um Incidentally, this is the same lady who wrote Into the Drowning Deep, but she wrote... Oh, really? Um, yeah, but Mira Grant is a pen name that she uses. So I, I don't know when she, like, what the difference is between Mira Grant and Sean and McGuire, why she uses each of those names. Um, but I talked about Into the Drowning Deep on some of our favorite books, because that was one of my favorite books from last year as well. I think I mentioned um, it too. You did. Yeah. You said it was one of your favorites. So I would definitely say read this series. Each book like focuses on a different person or a different group of people. So you get a little bit more in depth into their world. You might hear their story in their world. 
different characters from other books come back in different ways in other books, but not like in a, you know, contiguous way necessarily. It's just a really interesting series. And like I said, they're super short. So even though it's six or seven books deep right now, it's only going to be like two books worth of a regular series, you know? Okay, so before we get into our books that we're looking forward to reading, we're just going to give you a really fast rundown of the titles of these books again, so that if you didn't write them down, you can get your pens out and write them down right now. That way you don't have to listen to the whole thing again. Yes, because that would be really annoying. <laughs> okay, so my five were Dracula by Bram Stoker, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix, All That Remains by Sue Black, when Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi, and The Secret Garden by Francis Hodgson Burnett. And then my honorable mention was The Fellowship of the Rings audiobook uh, by Phil Dragish, which you can just find floating around online. Okay. And my five books were Scythe by Neil Schusterman, If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio, The Devil in the Dark Water by Stuart Turton, and History of Wild Places by Shay Earnshaw, the Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green, and the honorable mention was Where the Drowned Girls Go and the Wayward Children series by Seanan McGuire. Okay. Um, so books I'm looking forward to reading. So first of all, I've got Cultish by Amanda Montel, and I think you mentioned I did. Like you saw the book and mentioned it, and then I was mm -hmm. like, ooh. That's right up my alley. I'm um, I, I haven't know. gotten it yet. <laughs> yes, it's sitting on my shelf and it's it's high up on my list. So it's about the like the way that leaders speak that attracts at people and makes them stay like in cults. And I think she talks about traditional cults, but also like the modern day cult of like advertising and how they use like the same tactics for things like Peloton and SoulCycle and MLMs and influencers, which sound that in particular sounds especially interesting. I um, totally agree. Yeah. And then I've got High on the Hog by Jessica B. Harris. Uh, they made a Netflix documentary about this, and it was really, really interesting. Um, it's basically like an anthropological and historical look at African-American cuisine and food ways. Um, and so kind of like how, like where, like the roots of it and how it has like developed um, over the years. Um I got a couple of books to this effect because I'm considering food anthropology like as a career. Mm -hmm. um, and then my last one is um, my last one is Madhouse at the End of the Earth by Julian Sankton. Um, and it's a true story of an 1897 Antarctic expedition that got stuck in Arctic waters and they all went um, crazy. So there's oh your uh, depressing book for <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Um, okay. Uh, the three books that I have next on my list uh, are, the first one is The Book of Strange New Things by Michael Faber. Um, so this lady uh, that works at the hospital with my husband, she was talking to him and found out that I am a reader and she is a reader. And she was like, oh my gosh, you have to have your wife recommend me some books. Just give me books. And she's kind of hard to recommend for because I, I asked him to ask her like what she likes. And she was like, anything. I like all kinds of books. <laughs> so like that is not helpful because I don't want to give you some book that you think is crap, you know, um, but she's, she's eaten up everything I've given her so far. And then one day Brett was like, Hey, do you want me to tell her to give you recommendations? And I was like, absolutely. I'd love some. And then like the next day he came home with a stack of four books that she had just like handed to him and been like, here, have your wife read these. <laughs> he was like, well, she has like a really long list of books and not even just a list of books, but like actual physical books standing in a line, like waiting for me to read them, you know? And she was like, oh, it's okay. She's a reader. She'll get to it. And so now she's read like three or four books that I've given her. And this is the first one of hers that I've done. And it's been months. <laughs> so I feel really bad. But interestingly enough, this book was on my list um, of, you know, 2000 books on my TBR, but one that I thought was interesting. So this is the one I'm starting with. So this book um, 
what it's about a man named Peter who is like a pastor or um, just like a, a preacher of some sort. And he gets called on a mission galaxies away from earth. Um, I don't know because I haven't actually started it yet. It's, I finished a book last night, so I'm starting this today, but he, so he's really far away. He has a wife back on earth. I don't know why she couldn't come with him if it was galaxies away, but I guess maybe I'll find out. Um, and so it's about him, like working with these new people in this new world and kind of teaching them about his faith while also hearing his wife telling him about all of the um, cataclysmic things that are happening on earth and that earth is becoming unstable. And he apparently has a strange employer as well. So I'm sure there's some mystery element there. So it just sounds exactly like something I would love. <laughs> so I'm really excited yeah. uh, to get into it and see what's going on. Um, the next book on my list is Thunderhead, which is the sequel or the second book in the Scythe series. So um, once again, we've talked about Scythe a lot. And because it was one of my favorite books so far this year, I'm really excited to see where it's going to go in this book. So a couple of people in your book club said that they have read the other two books in the series and not to read the second one unless you have time to read the third one right after, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's like a cliffhanger ending and it's like really good and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited to read this. They also said that it answers a lot, a lot of questions raised by the first one, which so. That's good. And if you yeah. want to know what those questions are, some of them, at least you can go listen to our episode about it. Cause we go into that a little bit. Um, okay. And then the third book that I have in this list is called joyful the Surprising Power of Ordinary Things to Create Extraordinary Happiness by Ingrid Fattel Lee. Um, and I'm excited to read this one. This was another one that I found from um, Ann Bogle and also the Lazy Genius, Kendra Adachi, has recommended this book. And I know that the only example that I have from this is that a lady that read it said that now she buys different light bulbs for her house because it talks in the book about how particular like light wavelengths and stuff lead to more happiness and how you can help cultivate like more happiness in your life just by really simple, ordinary things like that. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see what she's going to say and if I can take any of these things and like use them, you know, in my life. And if I think it makes a difference. So, yeah. All right. Well, there's some suggestions for you. Uh, quick before we go, I, I do want to know you, the exact number of books that you read so far this year. 27 so far this year, including both times of the Anthropocene Reviewed. So 26 okay. separate books, but 27 total books. Okay. I've read 47 not including oh. Magic Tree House and Captain Underpants. It's 32. not including. No, oh. that is including. Not including. It's thirty-two. Okay, so you're only five ahead of me because I'm not yeah. counting those, like for for real book purposes. All right. Well, that's it um, for our book recommendations for this half of the year. We'll be back at the end of the year to give you our uh, favorite books that we read for the second half of the year, as well as our favorite books for the entire year. Um, and like. Uh, ranked as well. Yes. And those will be ranked and we'll do our book stats. So you'll get to hear yeah. how many books we read, what the, you know, I don't know. There's a lot. If you want to know what all the categories were, go back and listen to our one from last year. Um, and I promise I'll try to be more consistent about it this year because last year it was a mess. Um, but if you want to see the lists um that we've made here on the show you we're going to put those up on our um on our socials as well so you can see ashley's list over at instagram at the bitten word podcast and you can see my list over on twitter at the bitten pod and if you'd like to see both lists as well as links to the books um slash the random phil dragish audiobook you can find those on our website at the bitten word podcast uh, dot weebly dot com um, and then you can also email us have you read any of these books particularly the ones that were 
we're looking forward to reading. Can you give us any any good things? What were your favorite books that you read in the first half of 2022? We would love the recommendations. Yeah. Or did you read any of the books that we recommended last year? And what did you think? Like like how Bernie bought Scythe. We would love yeah. to hear about. We were real like I screenshotted it and I sent it to Ashley. And we were like, this is so exciting. So seriously, <laughs> I mean, if you want us to like screenshot your stuff and keep it for eternity floating around in our phones, <laughs> do that. Let us know that you bought <laughs> that you that you picked up one of the books because we recommended it. We would love to hear about it. Um, you can send us emails with comments, questions, recommendations, anything like that at the bitten word podcast at gmail.com. Um, um, and as always, if you come across any delicious sounding slash looking food in books, movies, TV, and video games, let us know and we will do it on the show, maybe. Um Okay, and if you want to be getting live updates when new episodes are going live, be sure to subscribe on uh, whatever podcast listening platform you're you're using, um, and we should pop up when you get when we get new episodes. We are in the middle of season, so new episodes are coming out every Friday. Um, so be sure to hit up our next one. And until then, happy reading and bon appetit.